Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The fascination of the UK royal family is truly extraordinary. I think it's the drama, the glamour, the history of the British royal family seems to far outweigh any other royal family in the world. There's something in these islands that no other country can harness because they don't have it. It's the magic and mystery of monarchy because the British haven't thrown open the doors to the backstage to let people see how it works. That's the mystery, the magic of it. Welcome to The Firm, Blood, Lies and Royal Succession. Over the following 12 episodes, we're going to take you into the secrets, scandals and constitutional crises of the most famous and infamous family in the world. You see, people tend to think of the royal family sometimes as celebrities, and they're not. The media might treat them as celebrities. But being royal and being a celebrity are two very different things, and royalty carries with it expectations and duties in a very practical sense, as well as, as a sort of moral sense, that celebrity just doesn't. From ruthless virgin queens to traitorous kings, from madness and revolution to forbidden sex and shocking deaths, from jealousy and rivalry to brothers and sisters torn apart, this is the real, unvarnished history of the last five centuries of Britain's royal family. They try and hide any scandal because the picture they want to present is of the father or the family of the nation, happy domesticated scene, no scandals, very strong public duty. Listen as we reveal the secret stories behind the public sagas and show you the lengths to which the firm will go in order to keep those stories buried, ensuring the survival of the royal brand, no matter what the cost. The brand and the firm are two very different things. The brand is how the public see the royal family. The firm is made up of those top senior people who direct the royal family. Whether you're looking at senior advisors or the very famous, very visible senior members of the royal family, their common goal is preserving the monarchy for another thousand years because it's their livelihood. I'm Jonathan Locke, your host on this journey through five centuries of royal intrigue and scandal. There's certainly plenty to dig into, but for this very first episode, we're going to put the history books away and begin right here in the present day with the biggest crisis to engulf the monarchy in living memory. It is a scandal that refuses to go away and one that has shaken the royal family to the core. 
Buckingham Palace has announced that Prince Andrew is returning his royal and military titles to the Queen and will no longer be referred to as His Royal Highness in any official capacity. It comes after a court ruling in the US yesterday, which left the Prince facing a civil case later this year against Virginia Giffray, who says she was sexually assaulted by him two decades ago when she was a teenager. He has consistently denied the allegations. He knows what happened. I know what happened. And there's only one of us telling the truth, and I know that's me. I have no recollection of ever meeting this lady. None whatsoever. On January 12, 2022, Queen Elizabeth's son, Prince Andrew, was told by a judge in New York that his attempts to quash a sexual assault suit against him had failed. The case would not be thrown out as his lawyers had requested. On the contrary, it was moving forward. Reaction from the firm was swift. The following day, Buckingham Palace announced that Prince Andrew would be stripped of all his royal titles, including the use of His Royal Highness, HRH, as well as his military affiliations. He would have to defend himself in court as a private citizen. It was a sequence of events almost unprecedented in the history of the royal family, and the world was stunned. Andrew, Duke of York, second son of the Queen, ninth in line to the British throne, stands alone. As we shall hear later in the episode, the consequences of that case weren't just felt by Prince Andrew, though. Indeed, there will be some serious repercussions for the royal brand and the so-called firm in the months to come. It's an unusual, shocking catastrophe for the House of Windsor. If you start having members of the royal family who are known associates with sex traffickers, then you really are undercutting the sort of brand promise that you stand for integrity and virtue and propriety. Many members of the royal family, uh, including Prince Charles and William, do not want him really back in the firm in any official capacity because they feel he damages the, the trademark, basically. It's a disgrace, a true disgrace on the royal family. And at this stage in the game, they do not want the trademark damaged. But how did Prince Andrew fall so far, and so fast? To understand this scandal, we have to look at the kind of person Andrew is, and how his behaviour over the last 40 years has often found him falling short of the high standards set by his mother. Here's royal reporters Eloise Parker and Richard Minards. He was the Queen's second Bond son, and rather like Prince Harry as a second Bond, there was a lot less pressure placed on him. And initially, he got away with being the fun brother, the Bond Vivant. He was given a lot more freedom than Prince Charles, which, of course, ultimately backfired. I met him a few times, and I find him very arrogant and an extremely pompous young man, too impressed by wealth and power. And quite frankly, if he hadn't been the Queen's son, one can only wonder where he would have ended up. Jacqueline Roth, executive editor of TheRoyalObserver.com, says that Prince Andrew has always had a petulant side to his personality. He's definitely known for being more difficult than many of the family, more conceited or even spoiled. There have long been stories of him throwing tantrums if he didn't get his own way. Recently, one of his former security guards revealed that he still insists on having his teddy bears lined up in a particular order on his bed every night, and that if one of the staff doesn't do it exactly right, he will shout and scream at them. This is not the behavior of a well-adjusted adult. I think that says it all, because 
The inner child is upset. The inner child within Andrew loves to have his teddy bears. Royal expert Stuart Pearce, who was once a voice coach to Princess Diana in the 90s, believes that despite his status, Andrew's tantrums belied a chronic insecurity. He must be feeling temperamentally unsound and insecure to fly off the handle at something which is just such a, a simple misdemeanor on the behalf of a maid or a servant or whoever it may be. I don't think he plans acting out. I don't think it's a precognition. I feel it's something to do with the fact that he perceives his status to be in a very lofty position as the Queen's son, whereas actually, internally, he feels deeply insecure. That side of Prince Andrew's personality first became evident in the early 2000s, when the Prince was appointed as a trade envoy by the British government, with a mandate to promote British business around the world. At first, he seemed to relish the diplomatic importance of the role. Here he is at the time, explaining just what it involved. One started to build up relationships with leaders, business leaders, influential people in other countries. And it's the ability now to open the doors and to give the access to, to business at whatever size, be it the FTSE Top 100 or be it a smaller, medium-sized enterprise, to get them in the door. Others weren't so sure. Prince Andrew would cling on to the position until 2011, but to most commentators it seemed that the only part of Britain that was benefiting from the initiative was Prince Andrew himself. As he whined and dined with millionaires at the taxpayers' expense, the press even gave him a nickname, Air Miles Andy. Here's royal biographer Andrew Loney. That's true of Andrew. I mean, there were plenty of things. He was offered this role as a trade-in boy and rather bolstered up by exploiting it for his own personal gain, by being oafish with people abroad and embarrassment to the government, to the extent the Foreign Office basically manoeuvred him out. If Air Miles Andy doesn't sound particularly flattering, it was at least an improvement on previous nicknames given to the Prince. Before Andrew married Fergie in 1986, he had a whole series of very high-profile, short-lived relationships with beautiful women and a reputation as a playboy, leading the press to call him Randy Andy. Authors Andrew Loney and Sally Otnes explain that despite the British public's already pretty jaded view of the prince's activities, Andrew continued to see himself as above such criticism and perhaps even considered the opportunities that fell into his lap as simply part of his royal birthright. Yes, there are big questions about his activities. I mean, there are certainly suggestions that he took cash for access. He often supported his girlfriends through people basically paying them, but actually for access to him. What I think is very interesting about Prince Andrew is that he seemed completely oblivious to how his actions would affect the firm. And you would think after being brought up in the firm with a father who calls it the firm, Prince Philip kind of used that term more than anyone, he would have known better. He's long had associations with some rather unsavory characters, quite apart from Epstein. There are a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of questions about his financial affairs still to be sort of fully investigated. And of course, it's very difficult with someone like that who will, of course, hide his trail. 
Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Prince Andrew described his trade envoy network as building up relationships with leaders, business leaders, influential people in other countries. One of those millionaire men would be his downfall. Andrew met Jeffrey Epstein in 1999 through their mutual friend, British socialite and heiress, Ghislaine Maxwell. From the start, it seems, the prince and the paedophile got on fabulously, with Air Miles Andy enjoying Epstein's hospitality around the world on board his private jet, the Lolita Express. The prince would later downplay their relationship, despite plenty of photo evidence of their outings over the years. Following Epstein's arrest and death in the summer of 2019, Andrew issued the following statement, read here by an actor. It is apparent to me, since the suicide of Mr Epstein, that there has been an immense amount of media speculation about so much in his life. This is particularly the case in relation to my former association or friendship with Mr Epstein. Therefore, I am eager to clarify the facts to avoid any further speculation. I met Mr Epstein in 1999. During the time I knew him, I saw him infrequently and probably no more than once or twice a year. I have stayed in a number of his residences. Once or twice a year. That once or twice a year claim just doesn't stand up, I'm afraid. I'm just going to run through a list of occasions we know they were together at the time. So eyewitnesses plus flight logs from the Lolita Express in 1999 show that Prince Andrew visited Epstein's private island, Little St. James, in February, and then again in May. In July, Andrew returned the favor, having Epstein up to Balmoral, the royal family's Scottish residence. Recently unearthed photos of Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell relaxing in a cabin in Balmoral on this trip have outraged the British public and proven particularly embarrassing to the Queen. The RoyalObserver.com executive editor Jacqueline Roth continues. Then in 2000, we've got Andrew at Mar-a-Lago with Epstein and Donald Trump in February. A month later, he and Epstein and Ghislaine are seen at several social events in New York. In April, the Daily Mail in the UK are reporting he's a regular at Epstein's Upper East Side dinner parties. Then in May, he's back on the Lolita Express flight logs, flying from New Jersey to Miami. I mean, it really wasn't once or twice a year, no matter how you spin it. In June the year 2000, Prince Andrew dragged the whole royal family into the affair, inviting Epstein and Maxwell to what was called the Dance of the Decades, a party at Windsor Castle to celebrate the birthdays of Andrew, Prince Charles, Princess Margaret and Prince William. Later that year, Andrew once again hosted Epstein at a royal residence when he came for a weekend pheasant shooting on the Sandringham estate. Later, another photo emerged, this time of Maxwell sitting on the Queen's throne at Buckingham Palace. This photo apparently taken on a 2002 private tour of the throne room, organised by Andrew. I mean, to me, one of the most telling incidents of this whole sordid affair with Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell is 
when he allowed them to go on a tour of Buckingham Palace and let them sit in the thrones, in Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip's thrones and take pictures. I just thought, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, it was just such an example of, he didn't understand the sort of boundaries between the royal family and the rest of the world in terms of how it needed to be protected. In 2019, yet another photo surfaced, taken at Andrew's daughter, Princess Beatrice's 18th birthday party at Windsor Castle in 2006. Pictured are Andrew's guests, Jeffrey Epstein, Ghislaine Maxwell, and Harvey Weinstein. To be friends with one convicted sex offender might be unfortunate, but three? Knowing what we do now know about Jeffrey Epstein's thirst for power and riches, it's pretty clear what he stood to gain from a relationship with the prince. But the question is, what was in it for Andrew? It's a question that many are still asking. Jeffrey Epstein was a hate figure in our circle, so all of us regarded Jeffrey Epstein as the most deplorable, ghastly human being. But none of us knew that not only was he financially dubious, but that he also was sexually dubious. Nobody knew it. This is Lady Colin Campbell, author of eight books about the royal family and herself an aristocrat. If he walked into a room, I walked out of it because I was quite determined I would never cross paths with the man because he was well known to be as straight as a corkscrew, but he was also very brilliant and he was charming and he managed to captivate an awful lot of people. But I don't think most of them knew a thing as to what he was up to. In 2008, after a federal investigation, Jeffrey Epstein was found guilty of one count of soliciting an underage girl for prostitution and sentenced to 18 months in prison. Surely that should have been a decisive end to his friendship with the prince, but in an astonishing lapse of judgment, Andrew not only maintained his association with Epstein, but even attended a welcome home party after his release in 2010. This is where Andrew really let the royal family down, when the pictures emerged of he and Epstein walking in Central Park and then the video footage of him hiding behind the door to Epstein's mansion, apparently waving goodbye to a young woman. Can you imagine the embarrassment to the Queen? That footage didn't become public until after Epstein's death in 2019, but in the meantime, more shocking claims would surface. We turn next to a controversy shaking Britain's royal family. More controversy about his links with a convicted pedophile. A woman has alleged papers filed in Florida that she was forced to have sex with Andrew when she was 17. Any suggestion of impropriety with underage minors is categorically untrue. He knows exactly what he's done, and um, I hope he comes clean In 2001, Epstein victim Virginia Gouffray alleged in court documents that she had been forced to have sex with Andrew in 2001 when she was just 17. According to Gouffray, it wasn't just once. She said that she was forced to have sex with the prince three times, in London, Manhattan, and the US Virgin Islands. He denied it all, but her allegations contained some embarrassing details. I mean, it was horrible, and this guy was sweating all over me. Like, his sweat was like, it was raining. It was disgusting. He wasn't mean or anything, but he got up and he said thanks and walked out and I sat there 
in bed, just horrified and ashamed. It, it was a wicked time in my life. It was a really scary time in my life. I had just been abused by a, a member of a royal family. Prince Andrew, it must be stressed, has always denied all allegations against him. And in August 2019, Buckingham Palace issued a statement to, in their words, clarify the facts. Buckingham Palace is denying Prince Andrew was involved in alleged sex crimes with his former friend Jeffrey Epstein. That statement is read here, word for word, by an actor. At no stage during the limited time I spent with him did I see, witness, or suspect any behaviour of the sort that subsequently led to his arrest and conviction. I have previously said that it was a mistake and an error to see him after his release in 2010, and I can only reiterate my regret that I was mistaken to think what I knew of him was evidently not the real person given what we know now. I have tremendous sympathy for all those affected by his actions and behaviour. This is a difficult time for everyone involved, and I am at a loss to be able to understand or explain Mr Epstein's lifestyle. I deplore the exploitation of any human being and would not condone, participate in, or encourage any such behaviour. The firm was sticking by the Queen's second favourite son for the moment. But he wasn't doing himself any favours. In November 2019, he made another catastrophic error, deciding to address the issues head-on in a special edition of the BBC's flagship current affairs show, Newsnight. It was like watching a train wreck. One of Epstein's accusers, Virginia Roberts, yeah. has made allegations against you. She says she met you in 2001. She says she dined with you, danced with you at Tramp Nightclub in London. She went on to have sex with you in a house in Belgravia belonging to Gerlen Maxwell, your friend. Your response? I have no recollection of ever meeting this lady. None whatsoever. You don't remember meeting her? No. She was very specific about that night. Mm. She described dancing with you no. and you profusely sweating <laughs> and that she went on to have bath, there's a, there's possibly... A, there's a slight problem with, 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 with the sweating um, because uh, I, I have a peculiar medical condition which is that I don't sweat um, or I didn't sweat at the time and that was... Oh, was she? Yes. I didn't sweat at the time because I um, ha had suffered what I would describe as an overdose of adrenaline in the Falklands War when I was shot at. Uh, and I simply, it, it, was, it, was, it was almost impossible for me to, to, to sweat. The Prince's defence hadn't finished there, and it got even more unbelievable. On that particular day that we now understand is the date, which is the 10th of March, uh, I was at home. Uh, I was with the children. I'd taken Beatrice to a Pizza Express in Woking. For those unfamiliar with small-town England, Woking is an unremarkable suburban town about 24 miles outside of London. Nothing much ever happens there. And the idea that a party of senior royals should turn up unannounced at a pizza chain restaurant one evening is not only extraordinary, but would be headline news for decades to come. Why would you remember that so specifically? Why would you remember a, a Pizza Express birthday and being at home? Because going to Pizza Express in Woking is an unusual thing for me to do. A very unusual thing for me to do. I've never been, I've only been through Woking a couple of times and I remember it 
weirdly distinctly. But as soon as somebody reminded me of it, I went, oh, yes, I remember that. Prince Andrew had managed to take a bad situation for the royal family and make it even worse. He had a terrible reaction, public reactions wise. It hurt the crown, the queen, the royal family, and Prince Andrew because it was not accepted as a realistic explanation of the relationships that were being quoted. It's a great example of royals always believing they don't have to apologize for anything. It was a disaster, an atrocious disgrace. That's a typical royal, never explain, never complain kind of approach. And Prince Andrew is also a spare. He has not internalized issues that relate to how damaging his actions are to the brand. Very bad for the crown and for all of the royal family. Silky, smooth, sustainable. So much more than soap. Purple Swan is the nourishing, exfoliating soap your body needs at prices that your wallet will love. Try the relaxing oak lavender, soothing vanilla coconut, or refreshing sweet lily, all made from organic essential oils with a loofah right inside. Subscribe now for even better savings at purpleswanshop.com. Vaping is so 2015. If you're craving the calming release of CBD aromatherapy, try Lou instead. With a sleek design, lab-tested product, and delicious aroma, Lou fits perfectly in your life and your pocket. Best of all, it won't torch your lungs with chemicals. Pick up a starter kit to sample all of our great flavors or buy individual packs of pineapple, peach, orange, mocha, and more. It's all waiting for you at GetMyLou.com. That's GetMyLou.com. Lou. Satisfaction begins here. Here's Mike Silvestri, an expert in voice stress analysis and managing partner of Truth and Deception Technologies. Silvestri analyzed Andrew's appearance on the show. So our software is done off the recorded voice, and the software does a a mathematical computation on the raw waveforms or the the voice recording and, and, and turns that into readable charts for a trained examiner. Voice stress is very accurate. We have found for our training and actually working with polygraphers in the past, we've actually taken their examinations and we've been able to actually call more examinations than they can. We can actually drill down and actually look at specifics within the waveform and actually look at the individual peaks, repetition within the waveforms and make a concerted call on on that and be able to understand, you know, exactly the context of what people are saying and what they're doing with it. So, was Andrew being truthful or lying through his teeth? I found out throughout the interview that he, he continued to just tell lie after lie. His mannerisms, his eye contact, and all that was very well mannered during that interview, but there is quite a bit when he's asked pointed questions that he is very uncomfortable answering. He gets to stuttering and he gets to doing other things, fidgety type things. When 
Prince Andrew replied to not meeting her. He said he had no recollection. Normally, you know, we would see the stress kind of disappear because somebody recalls that event. I mean, clearly in his case, he had a lot of interaction with her. And so during that process, the stress just absolutely went up. I mean, we're talking over 90% of stress when he responded to that, just telling me that he was clearly deceptive when he responded to that. In conclusion. I would say that that is the case, that he is not a good liar. He is someone that has that royal demeanor that he, he tries to put out. And the problem is, is that he'll be fine business-wise when he's asked questions that are very easy to answer, but ones that he will actually talk about things that could relate to the illegalities of things that were going on. He would get very nervous. He would stutter his eye movements. He would look away either with his head or just his eye movements when he's talking and responding. And that showed throughout that interview. It's impossible to overstate just how damning that Newsnight interview was for the prince and for the royal family. He was not only spinning what looked like some very flimsy excuses and alibis, but in the face of really serious allegations, he came over as arrogant, conceited, and with no compassion for Virginia Jufri, or in fact, any of Epstein's victims. Perhaps panicked by Andrew's disastrous Newsnight performance, Lawyers for the prince made a series of desperate attempts to have Virginia Gouffray's case against him thrown out in court. Lawyers Mark Stevens and Gloria Allred explain. Listeners will recall that the point that he took was, I deny that I've ever met Virginia Joffrey and what she alleges ever happened, but if in the alternative there was some liability, then my friend the paedophile Jeffrey Epstein settled this case for half a million dollars for me years ago and I'm entitled to a get-out-of-jail-free card, metaphorically. That argument did not prevail with the judge who denied the motion to dismiss on that ground, but the prince also raised other grounds, like he said, that the law under which she was permitted to sue alleging child sexual abuse when she was 17 years old in New York, which gave an extended time to sue for victims of child sexual abuse, on a look back or revival statute, but he was saying that's an unconstitutional law. He was not successful on that ground either. Of course, the problem with that is that the public were absolutely horrified with that kind of argument. On January 12th, 2022, the prince found that his efforts had been in vain. Prince Andrew has failed in his bid to get a civil case which alleges that he sexually assaulted a 17-year-old girl dismissed by a US judge. Virginia Dufresne, who's now 38, is suing the prince, claiming that he abused her in 2001. Prince Andrew's lawyer said the case should be thrown out, citing a 2009 deal that Ms. Dufresne signed with the convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. But today, a New York judge ruled that her claim could be heard. Within 24 hours, things got even worse. The firm was cutting him loose. Buckingham Palace issued a short statement regarding the Duke of York. With the Queen's approval and agreement, the Duke of York's military affiliations and royal patronages have been returned to the Queen. The Duke of York will continue not to undertake any public duties and is defending this case as a private citizen. 
At the same time, the palace let it be known that Andrew would no longer be known as His Royal Highness. We are not going to see Prince Andrew out and about again as a working member of the royal family. And that decision clearly designed to separate Prince Andrew's court case from the royal family's public duties. For Andrew, this must be devastating. The last bits of superstructure, of framework around him for the past 40 years have been taken away, have been stripped away. But his family are trying to protect the monarchy from any further, as it were, collateral contamination from this case. Andrew continued to deny all the allegations against him, but now he faced the prospect of having to do so alone, as a private citizen, in front of a New York judge. Attorneys Lisa Bloom, Gloria Allred and Spencer Kuvin, all of whom have represented Epstein's victims, explain what happened in this first discovery stage of proceedings where evidence was gathered to support Virginia's claims. I'd want a lot of details. The devil is in the details. I want to know where he was and when. I want to know every scrap of digital and paper evidence he has to substantiate that he wasn't there, he didn't know her, he didn't meet her. I'd want to know everything about his relationship with Elaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein, how many times he saw them, how many times he spoke to them, how many times he texted or emailed them, phone calls. All of those details are very, very important. It's also been suggested already about providing medical records as to whether he sweats or not, or did at the time, rather. He has come out very publicly and given an alibi for one of the nights that she claims that she was out with Prince Andrew and that was a night dancing. And he has put in issue his medical records. And he may have a lot of his emails and texts and cell phone records and direct messages and photographs subpoenaed. That's not going to be fun for him. And remember also that even after Jeffrey Epstein had a sex crime conviction in 2008, he went out and visited him. On January 26, another sensational twist. Prince Andrew's lawyers demanded a trial by jury. Following his Newsnight interview, the decision to take the stand was met with disbelief. We saw his BBC interview, which was a disaster. I don't know what he was thinking. Now, if he does his poor job of testifying under oath as he did on Newsnight, BBC, he's got a major problem because that everybody describes as a lot of people do as a complete train wreck. He did not come across well. I mean, it is the job of his lawyers to make him look sympathetic when he testifies, to help him prepare. But, you know, we lawyers, we're like a frame around a picture. You know, we can make the picture look a little nicer, but we're not the picture. <laughs> he's the picture. And somebody like Prince Andrew, who's had sycophants around him his entire life telling him how wonderful he is and being at his beck and call. It's very hard to change somebody like that. Just three weeks later on February 15th, the prince finally saw sense or had sense talked into him by his legal team. It was announced in a joint statement that he and Virginia Gouffray had reached an out-of-court settlement, which included Andrew making a substantial donation to Gouffray's charity. I mean, I think that's the smart move, to be honest. If I were his counsel, I'd be telling him to shut this thing down as quickly as possible. At the end of the day, money is just that. It's money. To him, it's nothing. 
The amount of money the prince agreed to pay his accuser has not been officially disclosed, though the British press estimated it to have been as much as 12 million pounds. That's just over 16 million US dollars. Virginia Gouffray's lawyer also added that the settlement does not in any way insulate him from any criminal liability that would otherwise exist. That, and Virginia had not signed a non-disclosure agreement. And I think essentially, Prince Andrew has to leap on this reputational grenade that is set off and take the injury. The question is whether this had the possibility to have wider implications for the wider monarchy. So he has to basically fall on his sword for them. Does this absence of an NDA mean there is more to come on the matter of Virginia Gouffray versus Prince Andrew? No matter what happens, Andrew's association with Jeffrey Epstein has been the ruin of him, and at an already turbulent time for the royal family, sparked its greatest scandal in living memory, and the firm will simply not risk Prince Andrew dragging the monarchy's reputation down still further. I think he's already persona non grata in the royal family. He's already just a private individual, according to the very terse statement issued by the Queen recently. He's on his own. They are distancing themselves from him. I think that the Queen was probably very loath to take this action, but I think she felt like she really didn't have a choice. One of the big motivations to kind of rip off the band-aid, if you will, on this situation is that now we have entered the year of her Platinum Jubilee celebration. So I think that there was just too much of a risk of tainting this huge cultural celebration with reminders of Prince Andrew if he showed up on the balcony with all the medals, etc. Essentially, there was a crisis meeting at the palace. Andrew was summoned in. And he was told, this is starting to have wider implications. You're out of public life and you're out of the royal family. You're not going to be paying a part in the Platinum Jubilee. It's just kind of given him a black eye and a black eye to the royal family, which is why they distanced themselves from him. Andrew who? Who's that you're talking about? I don't have any sympathy for him at all because he made bad choices. Whether he did to Virginia what she alleged, I, I, I don't know. In the Queen's Platinum Jubilee year, celebrating her 70 years on the throne, the most important thing for the royal family remains the preservation of the institution itself. And if that means cutting off one of its most senior figures, then so be it. As it always has been, the firm comes first, last, above everything. His family, and particularly his elder brother Charles and his nephew William, had to put aside family feeling. The priority now was the family's protection from severe reputational damage. They will be concerned, I'm sure, for Andrew at a human level, but they are very much more concerned for the reputation of the institution. I'm sure the British royal family understood what the impact would be of Prince Andrew remaining in the family in terms of the hit that the brand, the monarch brand, would take on its reputation. And then I also think that the Queen made this decision also for the benefit of the firm and that if it were up to her, she would not have done so because she knew that it would devastate Andrew. Next time on The Firm, Blood, Lies and Royal Succession, Power 
there were conspiracies against her life. There were assassination attempts against her. Glory. She became an object of adoration, someone who was seen as more than human, who was semi-divine, the goddess Gloriana, Eliza Triumphant. And the legend of England's Virgin Queen. She used her femininity and she exploited the tropes of courtly love to the fullest extent. She was an adept at it. And she had them all swooning, outwardly at least, in love with her and in love with her. It's not because she didn't sleep with anyone at all. We know that she had affairs. We know she slept with Dudley. We know she slept with Essex. The image of the Virgin Queen, the image of where she'd sacrificed for her country, the image of Gloriana, who was Doris. The Firm, Blood, Lies and Royal Succession is a production of Audology, a division of Empire Media Group. The series is hosted by me, Jonathan Locke. Executive producers are Dylan Howard and Melissa Cronin. The series is written by Dominic Utton, reporting by Douglas Montero, mixing and sound design by Sean Kravitz. Please subscribe to The Firm wherever you get your podcasts, and if you like what you hear, leave us a rating, review, and tell your friends. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.